Now, time for McNamara on Money, sponsored by McNamara Financial Services. Good morning and welcome to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, a certified financial planner professional with McNamara Financial in Marshfield, Mass. This is a financial talk radio show for people who want to get all areas of their financial life in order, get their kids through college, and live comfortably in retirement. On this show, we will be talking about a wide variety of financial topics. You have to make many important decisions in your life that have to do with money, investments, insurance, mortgages, taxes, estate planning, living your life within your means, and retirement. Our goal is to help you with all of these. We also have lots of great information on our show's website, McNamaraOnMoney.com. You can download podcasts, watch videos, or browse our abundance of written articles on topics related to personal finance. And as always, to find out more about our practice, visit McNamaraFinancial.com. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Joined this morning by lots of people this morning. This is this is the, like the most we've had in a long time. So we've got uh, my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, and we also have Sharon McNamara and Mary Baker from Boston Connect Real Estate. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. I'm very jealous of the um, Boston Connect. The um, excuse me, the real the talk real estate roundtable uh, studio there, lovely yeah. area you have to record and all that. You should come here on sa- uh, Saturday mornings. I'll I, give you the code, and you guys can hang out in here. It's very official. And we'll just get like a drape that covers Talk Real Estate Roundtable and says McNamara on money just for two we'll, hours. We'll, we'll make we'll make you we'll side by side. Canvas. We'll do a we'll side by you- side. We'll make you a canvas and that would we be can great. put the canvas up. That yeah, I think we should do that. <laughs> uh, that would be great. Um, so they are, we are talking real estate this morning. Um, obviously, there's crazy things happening in real estate. Um, mm. From what I hear, you know, of course, I'm not in an everyday like you ladies, but um, lots of noteworthy things to talk about, I'm, I, I think. So should be a good show for the morning. So um, just a quick intro, Sharon McNamara and Mary Baker, Boston Connect Real Estate. They have, um, they also have a talk radio show on WATD on Tuesday nights, right? Tuesday night, 6.15? Yep, 6.15 to 7. Yep, 6.15 to 7, um, right here on WATD. And um, you guys have been doing that for a long time. Uh, Way before me. Sarah's been doing it forever. Yeah, Yeah, well, I got my start in radio with uh, Mike (laughs) McNamara. So, And I remember the first day I ever showed up, I was literally shaking. I put on a suit jacket. I was like all (laughs) dressed up and I had a three ring binder with like tabs of stuff. I was up like all Aww. night didn't sleep but ready for your premiere i was ready the for day, the debut i was ready for his <laughs> questions no matter what he threw at me i was like one minute <laughs> you probably didn't even need the binder though right you probably didn't really need that i really didn't well no, when i first but... when i first started showing up to the radio show i don't think i spoke for like a solid year if not like two years <laughs> it just would, would be in studio like so afraid to say anything when we first started but mm-hmm. that was me sharon would ask me a question and i would nod my head she goes you actually have to use your words we're on the radio <laughs> uh, yeah radio i remember oh, okay i remember doing it one time with bill wilhelm who used to be on our show <laughs> all the time uh, uh, talking about insurance and one and one time i was with him and i don't know if my dad was there or not but i was with bill and he was like say something so they know you're here. <laughs> it was like yes. an, it was like an uh-huh. hour into the show. But <laughs> we um, should do some flashbacks, like with some yeah. of the old guests from McNamara yeah. on Money, like Bill Wilhelm, like clicking his pen, and I would sit there with oh. him. Like if you guys went away, and Bill and I would do the show, and he would literally. <gasps> Oh, the really? Show, like and I would, my, like, my ADD would be like, focus. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that's good times. All right. So we yeah. are here to talk real estate this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some ideas and we can just kind of, you know, whenever I do a show with Sharon and Mary, it's just kind of like, you know, we, we, we go where, uh, where our thoughts take us sort of thing. But um, I just put together some thoughts and I thought we could obviously get into, you know, what's happening now in the real estate market, talk about the spring market, which is always like a thing, right? Even though it feels like we've had a hot market for already for several months now, right? Or if not mm-hmm. longer. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to, t- you know, people are talking about the real estate bubble. It's going to burst. Mm-hmm. Is it going to burst? You know, we just sort of talk about that for a little bit. Um, and then just, you know, kind of see where it goes from there. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's funny that we're talking spring market and it's starting to snow or it actually just stopped snowing. Yeah, it, it was, was snowing, snowing this morning. Mm-hmm. 
when we woke up. It has felt like spring very recently, though. So yeah, which and I kept thinking it's welcome there, to New England. Yeah, there's no way it's already spring. We're gonna definitely <laughs> get more storms. Um, yeah. Well, and that's one of our shows that we do want to discuss, and um, maybe we can do it with you in October later in the year uh, on snowbirds. And there's multiple reasons why people want to move down to Florida. One is the weather, and the other let I'll let you guys guess what the other is. The from a financial standpoint price of uh, the cost of living price of real estate yeah and taxes yeah all the okay yeah fair state income taxes uh, you know uh, it doesn't seem to me that the price of real estate in florida anymore is much less than it is around here mm. I, I think it de- of course it depends on where you go in florida but along the coast it doesn't seem to me like the prices are really all that much lower than here mm-hmm. um having said that i've had several clients recently move down to like the carolinas and totally yes. different story there you know literally homes you know half as expensive as they are here for a very comparable home, you know, from what I'm hearing, like in the Carolinas. Um, mm-hmm. I just had someone tell me that they were thinking about moving to Tennessee, you know, so there, I think, oh, wow. I feel like mm-hmm. for a long time, it was Florida, right? This is where New yep. Englanders go when they are snowbirds or when they, you know, retire and go somewhere else. It was Florida. I feel like people are starting to expand from there, right? And, and mm-hmm. you know, maybe re- probably not related to inventory because it seems like there's just constantly building in Florida, but it just doesn't mm. seem like it's all that much less um, expensive than it Well, when to. anything is the rage, you know what I mean? Think yeah, about, you know, something that we were listening to recently is, you know, would you rather a coach bag that's, uh, you know, 100% leather or would you rather a Louis Vuitton bag that's about 10% leather, leather and the rest of it is canvas, right? So Fort Myers, Naples, those areas, a lot of the, you know, uh, Marco Island, mm-hmm. all those areas, and also on the East Coast, they become very um, Louis Vuittonish. Oh. So now people are going to the other places. But in South Carolina, which is where Mackenzie is, she's down yeah. in Pendleton, which is right next to Clemson. And we've actually toyed with the idea of buying a house for her to pay the mortgage because it's cheaper. It, I could buy her cheaper a three-bedroom yeah. ranch for $125,000. Yeah. And you'll all, yeah. always have resellability being near Clemson. Being near Clemson, yeah. I always look at the resale value. Well, of course, being, mm-hmm. yeah, doing what you do. Um, you lost me on that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even know that, uh, does Alyssa like Louis Vuitton and coach bags? No. Do I look like someone that would have a Louis Vuitton bag? I mean, it's like yeah. you don't know me at all. I, I, I no. An LL Bean bag for soccer. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like my canvas Marshfield youth soccer bag or, yeah. I do have a coach bag or a couple coach bags, but. I didn't yeah. know Louis Vuitton was 10% leather and 90% canvas and still yeah. $3,000. I didn't know that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I did not know either until uh-huh. recently. <laughs> so, so we digress a little bit. But what's, yes. so what's going on in the market? I mean, it's cr- from what I understand, it's crazy. Homes are going incredibly quickly. Prices have come way up, right, in mm-hmm. the last, I don't know, year. Um, so just catch us up on what's going on. So I'll take it. uh, So on our team, um, I basically am the seller's agent and then Mary is the assistant seller's agent. And then you say it better, but then Mary generally (laughs) works with the buyer's agents and then I'm sort of there uh, just for resources if necessary. So um, I think that this will be a good conversation because especially with Mary and I, like we sort of fight each other because I'm like, well, from a seller perspective, so what is going on right now is low inventory. We had that yeah. problem last year. We had the problem the, be- the year before. Well, last year we also had low inventory, but then we had COVID, which actually made it even lower inventory. So it's basically what we're in is a supply and demand type situation where there's not enough inventory for the people. So what we've been talking about on our show and with our clients is the fact that we have four different types of um, evaluations, okay, or values. One is your assessed value, which is what you get from your town, okay? So that's what you're assessed on. That's what you're paying taxes on. That assessed value, the way that it is calculated, and I believe it's for all states, but I know definitely for Massachusetts, two-year prior sales. Okay. okay. So it takes a while for that to catch up. Okay. So that's we, why taxes always tend to go up. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So we have that value first and it has nothing to do with how much your house is worth. 
it really, really does not. Then the second one is an appraised value. So that's when, you know, somebody puts their house on the market, they're going to get a mortgage, the mortgage company sends out their bank appraiser, that appraiser does an analysis based on the last six months of sold properties that are like properties, generally within a mile radius of the subject property. So that gives us our assessed value. How much is a bank willing to pay or willing to give or loan out based on the market value? We use those same comps for us when we're doing market value, okay? So there's assessed value with the town, appraised value with an appraiser, then there's market value with the real estate agents. So I am looking at the last six months. I am looking at like style homes, like condition, like areas, and I'm also trying to calculate what's coming up. Okay, so if things are under agreement, chances are they are going to be sold within the next 30 to 60 days. So I'm looking at those. So if there's a four bedroom colonial that's on the market, that's under agreement, and I'm looking at my subject property, that subject property is very similar. That house is on the market for $500,000. Okay, I can assume that it's at that price or above. So I know what's coming up. But if that $500,000 value home, if this, the like home is on the market for 300, then I need to figure out why. the mar- Which way is the market going? Probably down. But if that $500,000 home is on the market for 700,000, we can see that it's going upward. So we call that market value. We give a range of yeah. what we feel the house will should be on the market for. The new one that we've been dealing with for minimally seven, eight months. Minimally, but I would say really it's been coming up. It's been progressing it's for the past been two progressing. years. Yeah, and getting more and more is something that I sort of coined as emotional value. And that is how much emotion is do you have in you that you're willing to pay over the list price on this property. And does that necessarily mean that it will appraise at that? No, in some instances, in a lot of incidents, it's just not. So buyers are in a really, really tough position right now because not like they can't just say statistically, I think that this house is worth, which is Mary's job when she's working with buyers, she'll say, this is what I feel the house is worth. But now the rest of it is up to you. Like it's emotional value. How much more do you want this house? Than the other ten people that have offers on it, and but if the but if your lending institution doesn't agree, you're either coming up with cash or you're not getting the property, right? So is there is there a big disconnect right now between appraised value and what people want to offer for homes? The, what buyers want to offer for homes? Mm-hmm. I would say um, in certain instances we have. We have the advantage of being in a market where buyers are actually really, really healthy. And what I mean by that is they've they've saved, they've sold, they've prepared. Yeah, they've Mm -hmm. sold their houses. They might be living with mom and dad. They might be living somewhere interimly. So they've really set themselves up to be in the best position that they can to buy. So when you have that really healthy down payment, you have the ability to tend to make up the difference from what the appraised value is in cash. Um, So even if there is a disconnect, they, it's not really killing deals, so to speak. Buyers are really stepping up and, and being able to make the difference. And are they doing that because they think they, ha- or they have to do that, or they at least think they have to do that because right now it's a seller's market and you have to be, like you have to be a very competitive buyer, right? You have mm-hmm. to position yourself very competitively, either with a large down payment or mm-hmm. you know a fast ability to close or whatever it is, right? So is are people mm-hmm. really well prepared because they think they have to? Yeah, they I would say, be. I mean, we had um, a listing in Marshfield and and here's the, here's the other thing. Like I reached out to you because I knew I was getting a home in Marshfield and I know that that's the town you live in. So it's almost like I'm doing like friends and family favors to give them a head start of knowing what is coming on the mm-hmm. market so they can prepare themselves. So that's why I had sent you that text that day. Hey, yeah. just in case you hear of anybody that's looking for a house, we have a great one coming on the market. Um, so that's a lot. We're seeing a lot of that going on, which is making it even more difficult for buyers because you need to be in the know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So here I am just trying to give your friends and family the upper advantage of knowing that this house is coming on the market, right? They'd still have to be in that same pool with everybody else, but at least they can prepare themselves when it comes time for an offer. So 
yes, I feel like when we're looking, they are definitely more prepared. And what we're seeing, we're seeing bully offers, which we can talk about. Um, we'll get into that. Um, we're also seeing the things that buyers are doing right now, Alyssa and Kirk, that really make us uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And we have waivers now. So in order for your offer to look good, not only are you over asking, mm. not only are you willing to close whenever the seller wants to close, as a contingency. Mm -hmm. You don't have a home sale contingency because oh. those are the first ones to go. Yeah. Right? Oh my God. Yeah. 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 You're also having a large down payment. You're also putting a lot down on escrow because you want to let the seller know, hey, I am not going to walk away from this transaction. Mm -hmm. And if I do, you can hold all that money that I'm giving, you know, the escrow agent. They're also waiving home inspections. Oh that my gosh. My yeah. stomach yeah. turn. All, all that stuff does. All that stuff yeah. makes me nervous. Yeah. Firstborn, firstborn naming rights. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mary did sell a house one time with a cat, but we'll talk about that later. With the cat came with the house. <laughs> Mandatory. Like, hey, you seem to really get along. Would you, would oh. you want to keep it? The seller really doesn't want the cat. You want it? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, that stuff makes me nervous. Um, it makes me very nervous. And so when you're talking about that bubble... I'm having anxiety of thinking about 2004 and 2005 when that's how the market was. It was just so, so, so fast. The other thing is people are making these decisions, no lie, in five minutes. Like if you go to an open house, you have five minutes to go through the house because of COVID policy, we can't have all these people oh, in. So yeah. people are lined out outside. We let you have five minutes to sort of tour the house. So Mary and I, you know, had a good conversation about this because you know, honestly, we've always felt that I've done and we've done as a team. So I've been doing this 20 years. Mary's been with me 10. I, I just, we have more of a holistic approach to this because for two reasons really is one, our job is really not about buying and selling houses. It's about helping people and helping people get to that next chapter, whether whatever it is, right? But the other thing is, I don't want anyone to have buyer's remorse. Mm -hmm. Are you going to then spend money as my buyer doing home inspection and uh, radon inspections, spending time, potentially missing out on the one because you rushed in five minutes, mm -hmm. right, to make this decision? So we changed it up. This mm -hmm. house in Marshfield... We went on the market on a Wednesday afternoon. I think it's our new policy too. It's like, yeah. it's just how we're going to do things from now on. Yeah, it just makes more sense. It used to be like, oh, create the rage on uh, no showings until open house, but it's it's chaos, hysteria. And you don't want anyone buying a house like that. Even as a listing agent, I don't want that. I don't want buyer's remorse. So um, we put the house on the market Wednesday afternoon, allowed showings Thursday morning. First one was at nine. The last one um, was Saturday at 5 p.m. Our client has a home in New Hampshire, so that's where she went for the weekend. Sunday, we had the open house and had what, like 18 to 20 groups? Yeah, just about. 18 to 20 groups. We let them take their time as they went through because we had the time at that point. And we did a three-hour open house, too, versus a two-hour. Yeah, so just to give people time. And we allow half-hour showings. So at least the buyers can be with their buyer's agent for a half hour really looking through the house. And we ended up with 10 offers on that property. But 10 really strong offers that we felt um, were educated buyers that were making the right decision for them rather than rushing and kind of seeing that everybody else was putting in an offer and the supply, and the su supply was so low that they needed to purchase mm -hmm. it. And then ultimately those deals don't tend to stay together. I mean, that's, that's crazy, right? I mean, this, as far as the, the percentage of offers made versus people walking through the house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, I had a question. I lost it. And that's really nothing. So, One of our agents, I was gonna say, the yeah. same weekend, put a house on the market. It was like just under 400 399 In Rockland. In Rockland. But she was one of the ones where the police showed up. <laughs> Um, no, because of not, traffic. Not because she did oh, too, wrong, too many, because too, too much many traffic. People. Oh my Too God. much traffic. And people lined up down the street, making sure that they're using COVID policy because they said, we'll get Board of Health down here if you don't use it. She was, I mean, yeah. um, but she you had- to control the madness. Yeah, she had over a hundred people through on Saturday and Sunday and ended Correct. up with 26 offers. Oh my God. 26. And you have to imagine that when we say a hundred, so it was, it was something like 130 groups. So that's actually mostly double. So 260 right. people because most people come with mom, dad, spouse, significant other, whoever it is. And then 
So she has over 260 people coming through this house, looking in a small increment of time, three hours each day, three to four hours each day. Those buyers only have 15, 10 minutes Mm -hmm. to look through the house and really ask the questions that they want before they have to make a decision on whether or not they want to put in an offer. So are the sellers now saying like, we are going to entertain offers on this day at this time? Or is it, because it's generally like more fluid, right? Like when offers come in, we just like entertain mm-hmm. the offers, right? But now is it, I've seen things like, we will not be reviewing offers until this day at this time. Is it mm-hmm. pre- is that pretty standard right now? Yeah, I would say so. Um, the unfortunate part about that, and I'll talk about it from a seller perspective, and Mary can tell you the downfalls of what does really happen mm-hmm. um, as a buyer's agent. For us, we do, um, <clears throat> the other thing too is no love letters. We can get into that, but you should mm-hmm. make a note of that because that's important for us to talk about um, okay. just from a legal perspective for sellers. And we say the seller has instructed us to hold all offers until Monday. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we, showings on Thursday, open ho- all through, open house on Sunday, no more showings, then all offers due by 12 o'clock. We actually had um, an attorney um, write up a a waiver for us that basically we have to have our seller sign that says, I'm instructing you to hold all offers. Because legally, if somebody presents us an offer, we legally have have to to present all offers. So that's where that bully offer comes in that I was talking about. And I love that uh, term. Actually, one of our agents told us about it. It's what they call it up in Canada. And the bully offer is, okay, I'm going to show the property uh, Thursday afternoon. I know that you're having showings in the open house on Sunday. You don't want offers till Monday, but I'm going to make my offer $10,000 over asking. Yeah. And I want you to give me an answer by 5 p.m. tonight. Right. So most buyers would be like, hmm, yeah, okay, I'm going to take it. It's 10000 over what I wanted. But we say, no, that isn't fair. And that's the reason why we do it. Yes, $10,000 is a great number over what you were asking, but we want to play fair in the sandbox. And I think that that's where our holistic approach Mm -hmm. sort of comes in play because it's not fair to all the agents who call us. And we have a lot of friends in this industry that work at other companies. They'll call and say, are you really going to hold your offers? Mm -hmm. Yes, we are really going to hold our offers, I promise you. So Mary can tell you what else is happening. Just like a tidbit on that, even it's not even fair to the seller either because it, we used to operate in a world where the first offer was kind of the best offer, right? That doesn't that really doesn't exist anymore. So even that property in Marshfield, the offer that we ended up accepting was not the first offer in. So mm-hmm. if you imagine if we had swayed from our timeline and our deadline to accept the first offer, we could have missed out on a better offer for our seller or advised yeah. our seller in a different way. And uh, the conditions as well. Absolutely. You know? There's so many things to be taking into consideration, but what we do find is, so from a buyer's agent perspective is, so I'm going to see three properties on Sunday with a group of buyers and all of them have offer deadlines set for Monday or Tuesday. Well, in reality, we need to talk to those agents and see if they get an offer, if they get an offer on Friday night, is the seller going to be willing to accept that? Because that changes my whole weekend. Do I have to force them to drive two hours down here to see it on a Friday? Or can I really group them all together on Sunday? And we've missed out on properties because of that. Well, because... Yeah, I mean, you would think if the seller said, we're entertaining offers this day, you would think that that would actually be the case. So you're saying it's really not always the case. That's what you're saying. It's really not. I I think sometimes seller's agents might either not um, fully comprehend what's happening or not be prepared for the flurry of um, what's going on in the multiple offer in multiple offer situations Mm. and or get intimidated and not want to miss out on that really great offer it looks so yeah um, it looks so appealing and then the seller's like no I just want to take it and and just be done with it yeah but you really need to slow down respect your your other agents your co-brokes and try and operate in a manner that um, is conducive to everybody. Because, I mean, these are the same people that you work with constantly. So Your, your co-brokes. I love how you have your that co-brokes. cute little nickname for each other. Yeah. Okay, we're just, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to yeah. McNamara on Money. We're talking with um, Sharon McNamara and Mary Baker of Boston Connect Real Estate. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by Kirk Reed. Um, and we are talking real estate, spring market, hot real estate trends uh, today. And we're just taking a break. We'll be right back.
My daughter wants a pair of shoes that have those little wheels built in to make them skates. I told her she has to wait until her birthday, which is 167 days away, an eternity for a six-year-old. This idea of delayed gratification is all too uncommon in our society, but is an underlying theme with the clients that I work with. Not many people can build a nest egg and thus a secure financial future by being impulsive. This is Alyssa McNamara-Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Give me a call if I can help you with your delayed gratification, which I'm sure will be worth the wait. This is Mike McNamara. If you have a financial question and are too shy or too busy to call us on our show, McNamara on Money, you can email us at questions at McNamaraonMoney.com. As certified financial planner practitioners, we are knowledgeable about a number of financial topics. If we can't answer your question, we may be able to refer you to someone who can. If you take the time to ask the question, we figure we can make the time to answer it. Market turbulence can cause panic, and you might be wondering if your investments are allocated properly. I'm Kirk Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Let me help you understand your investment strategy and ensure that it is suitable for you. Then you can turn off the financial news and move on with your life. Hi, this is Mike McNamara. Our show, McNamara on Money, has been on the air here on WATD since 1990. Wow. Go Well, you can catch us on Saturday mornings from 8 to 10, and now you can catch us on Sunday mornings from 7.30 to 9.30. We promise to make it worth your while. Call us on the South Shore at 781-834-2010 or in the Merrimack Valley at 978-256-7447. Good morning. We are live in studio today. Feel free to call with your questions, 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900, or you can send a text to 781-775-0116. Hi, this is Kirk Reed. Bear with me as we need a little compliance disclosure. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's generally not the case with callers we speak with on the show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. After all, we just met. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers should check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed and past performance does not guarantee future results. And we're back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We're talking real estate this morning. We've got Sharon McNamara and Mary Baker, uh, real estate consultants for yes. Boston Connect Real Estate, right? That's I, you who were we just are. telling me that you rebranded your team. Uh, they're with Boston Connect. And uh, my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, zooming in from home, feeling okay. You're The way you're sitting, it's like Chief Wahoo is like, coming out of your head. It was like the, the, the red does it, feather. Does it look like I have a feather? Yeah, yes. a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Maybe just fun. turn your chair a little bit. A feather in your cap. Yeah. I know, uh, yeah, Sharon, if you're if you're screaming this or whatever, I, I should have asked you if this was, you know, insensitive first. I know. I actually said that when we were off, but I'm do not you? streaming it. For some reason or another, it won't allow me to, so. Oh. You can take it and maybe okay. do yeah, it. Yeah, I play with it during commercials, so. Um, okay. It just wouldn't let me do it. Okay. Um, okay. So we are talking, you know, anything related to real estate this morning, 781-837-4900 if you have questions for us and want to call into the studio. Um, I don't even know where to go next. I have like so many questions, but I, I guess just... Yeah, re- I, I will, yeah I've, got, I've got lots of questions. Okay, right. Kirk. Fire at us. Yeah, fi- go ahead, Kirk. Um, so I, I know, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, just in general... You know, they recommend, you know, listing something, you know, on, on the more attractive side, you know, to, you know, to garner, you know, more, more, you know, more offers and things like that. But that sounds like in this day and age, that's not that that may, that may or may not be the case. So, it, you know, are people are people listing closer now to true value or are they listing above value or, or is that, you know. So this is what we're doing right now is when I'm doing it's again, it's the emotional value. So we're using the range that we use. So what we generally do is we take, we're looking at like properties. So if I was doing your house, I would look at other four bedroom colonials in Marshfield, right? So I would look for sold for the last six months. I take those, let's just say I found four of them. 
So I'm like, okay, they're very similar. They're a good comp. I take them, I add their sale price together, and then I divide by four. That gives me my median. So then what we do is we add 3% to each end and that gives a range. So we have to give ranges when we're giving a price. What we've seen over as you know, the market changes is sometimes we're like, you know what, we feel as if you're better off being on the lower end of the range just because of where the market is. Then it sneaked up to, you know what, I really feel comfortable with you being mid-range. And it does have to do with, like, I know your house has, you know, the upgraded different things that you've been doing over the years. You know what I mean? So I would say for you, oh, why don't we sneak on the higher end? Right now, it's you're at the very highest point. And I'm using that point. And I know that this is where sellers really, really, really have to understand. Yes, the market is fast. It's furious. It's hysteria out there right now. The sky is falling, right, for buyers. But we also, we always have to worry about what that appraisal is. So I feel, don't, let's not try to guess what we might get. Let's put it where the value is. So we know that we're all set. Anything above and beyond that, which we know 100% we're getting right now, that's on the buyer. That's the buyer's responsibility to make sure that that house appraises for anything more above that. That's my mindset. Absolutely. Right? Sorry, I was making a post. Who, oh, okay. Who? I'm putting us on Instagram, guys. I'm going to check. Okay. Who, what's Instagram? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> who are the buyers right now? Like, have the buyers changed or is it still the you know, late 20, early 30 something new married couple or like have the buyers changed and, and are there, are there more buyers than normal and just less inventory or, or are the buyers the same and there's just less inventory? Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like, are these, is it people fleeing the city and mm-hmm. because they want more space? So are there, there's, there's just more buyers yeah. coupled with there's less inventory or... So we had on our show, um, and I, I hate to be, keep on plugging it, but it is a WATD show. So um, we'll be putting the podcast up later, but we had a show on Tuesday night with an economist. Uh, um, she's like urban development and housing um, economist at UMass, at UMass Boston. Boston. And it was a great show. And the, her class right now is doing a study on just this topic. You know, are we in a bubble? She does not think so. Um, and just what is happening. So I gave her an analogy of what we're seeing firsthand is the people in the city, you no longer have to work. You don't no longer have to live in the city to work in the city for convenience. Okay. So Casey is now at Ropes and Gray. She chose to get an apartment at the South End. She can walk right to the Prue, right? Well, people bought, were buying places. So they were buying their condos in there. So we're talking $2 million, 1.5, 2 million and above. Those people no longer have to be there. So they're leaving. So they're putting their places on the market. They're leaving the city and they're moving this way. So a lot of those people with the, you know, 1.5, 2 million and above, they're heading into towns like Hingham and Cohasset, right? Now the people who were other people who, the demographic that used to buy in there, We're like, all right, well, I'm putting an offer in on a $900,000 home or an $800,000 home. I'm getting bid out by the person who has all that other extra cash to bid into a million or a million one for that same house. So now those people are sort of trickling. That demographic is trickling to Hanover and Norwell and Situate. And now the people who were buying there before are getting pushed out by Mm. overbidding. But are they trickling? But are the people that are selling those condos in Boston, are they able to sell them right now? Mm. For so what the they ones want? that were smart did it before. Okay. The ones, and then there are a bunch who they can afford to just keep it and rent it. Mm. They can afford to just keep it. A lot of them are just, they're moving away. They, like they're going back to whatever state that they were from. We're seeing a lot of that in the city too. Mm. But the ones that were smart and sort of saw this coming... Yeah. Um, actually, Sam, so Sam Horton, he's also an agent at our office. Um, and Mary's boyfriend. And, and my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is working with a lot of people up in the city who are selling condos. And something scary that he had said to me just probably maybe six, six-ish months ago, people who had over, um, have lost over fifty dollars to $60,000 worth of equity in their condos just over the past year mm-hmm. in some areas in the city. And properties that he was evaluating a year ago, he can see literally he was calling his clients saying, now is probably the time for you to sell. It's just going to continue to go down. Mm-hmm. Most of them being people that live out of state. 
Mm-hmm. So people who have been renting out those units and not really occupying it. So it's not necessarily affecting them in the greatest way. Mm-hmm. And they're not coming down this way, but there's a whole slew of people who are doing the exact opposite. I need to get out of the city. You know, I'm rubbing elbows with too many people mm-hmm. and coming down this way. And my guess is now that Boston is going to be back at that 100% level two or whatever it is, that we, phase three level yeah, that we may start to see people having confidence in moving back to the city because the demographic, I would say the millennials mm-hmm. were a lot of the ones that were in there renting. They were really uncomfortable being in the city and they moved back home with their parents. Um, but now they're also that millennial generation is also the generation that wants to purchase. So right now is a really good time to buy a condo in the city if you can afford that. And if that's because what you, you want, long-term. you can negotiate really hard. Okay. So it's yeah. a it's a buyer's market in the city and it's a seller's market in the suburbs right now. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so there's in in anyway in suburban areas there's there's just a lot more buyers coupled with not as many people selling. Do you think that do we think that the lack of inventory like is largely related to COVID and people not wanting to um you know have uh, people in their home during COVID? Do you think that inventory will increase as we in sort way, of come yeah. out of I this? I think it's a contributing factor. I don't think yeah. I don't think it's the I don't think it's the be all end all, but I do yeah. think it's a contributing factor. Cuz one of the things that we're seeing is what we were just talking about. You no longer have to be in the city to work in the city. So Casey's working out of her apartment and she can like literally see the proof. Um, everyone's working from home. So what ended up happening is, let's think of like my generation with the empty nest, got the kids through college, like maybe I want to downsize, right size, you know, that's what I say. So I had that big four bedroom colonial. I want to right size into something smaller. Uh-oh, we're both home working. I need you out of my space. No, you know what I mean? Yeah. Think about that. People have been married for like 25, 30 years and now we're stuck in the house together again with no kids. It, 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 some of us went and got a puppy and that was a really good idea. Oh, well, she's very cute. Yeah, she's yes. very cute. Well, it's she, also like everyone has been able to, you know, a lot of people have been able to refinance to like a really low yeah. attractive rate and why am I going to sell this? Now my mortgage is less expensive. You know, my interest rate is so low. Um, plus, it's so hard to buy something else right now that it, I wonder if people are, you know, kind of just scared to to move because it's so hard to find something they could sell easily. Like, what are you hearing for for the people that want to sell? Are you hearing concerns that, you know, I, I I know my house will go for you know x thousands over asking, but where do I go? What do I buy? Right? I imagine that's a that's a huge concern right now. That is the biggest concern. And that's where, you know, with Mary and I working and and think about this. Why do you think I don't want to take, you know, accept an offer that somebody has like a home sale, not the home sale contingency, but like when you're putting in an offer as a buyer and it's contingent. No, wait, I'm thinking of the opposite way. Subject to suitable housing. Subject to the seller finding suitable housing. Like I, as a buyer's agent, I would never even get into that rodeo. So we often find um, that right now it's like the chicken or the egg, what came first? Do I find the house that I want to purchase or do I sell my house first? Well, if you you try and find the house that you want to purchase first right now and you have a home sale contingency, everybody knows that your house is going to go. Like if you put your house in the market, it is going to sell at 1000%. However, when you're trying to buy, you're competing against nine other people who don't have a home sale contingency. Right. So you're just that much riskier. So you discount, um, you discount the home sale contingency and you go with the buyers that, you know, are a little bit more secure. Mm. But then in the, opposite side. So you put your house on the market, you get it under agreement. It's subject to you finding suitable housing. You have an influx of buyers that want your house, but only so many that can wait so long until you find that perfect one. So it's like you really, the best advice that we could probably give is we know it's going to be super uncomfortable, but if you really want to get into something, you need to sell your house. Period. You need to sell your house first you right need now. To you sell your, yeah, you need so, to sell your house first. Move in with mom and dad. Uh, um, yeah. Stay somewhere in the interim. It's just, it's you're going to get denied over and over oh, and wow. over again. Wow. Um, and that's actually why a lot of, we're seeing a lot of people go towards new construction because new construction, um, it's available. Uh, they're trying to they're trying to build consistently. I, they can't build them as quick as buyers want them, um, but they also know even if they're waiting seven months, seven months for the house to be built, they know they have something at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? Like they're not waiting for something to come on. 
and trying to compete against all these other buyers and get into a bidding war, they know they have that house. It's going to be built for them. They just have to wait for it. So there's like, there's no bidding wars in the world of new construction because there's just like so many options. Is that what it is? Unless you're at a model house. So so when you're, when you're typically, they're selling out quickly, um, very quickly. So a a group that we work with, Stonebridge Homes out of Southeastern, um, they just opened up um, Duxboro Estates, which is in Bridgewater. And I think it's going to be a 140 lot community. Um, they opened their first phase and it sold out within three weeks. First phase. 140. Being, oh, how many homes? Was so, that? so I think it was, I think it was 30, 20, 25 to 30 okay. home sites sold out. It's going to take them a year to build those out before they can go into phase two. Mm-hmm. Um, so are those buyers, are they in a home currently or are they like living with mom and dad while they're waiting for the homes to be built? I would say we're like 75% of them are out of houses yeah, okay. because you, you do need a sizable down payment when you're doing certain new constructions being that, that down payment somewhere around 10% when you're signing purchase and sale. Okay. And most builders will only give you so long to sell your house while you're under contract with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sell the house, they're living with mom and dad waiting for that house to be built or living somewhere interimly waiting for that house to be built. And then there's about 25% that probably mm. do a home sale contingency. And that's the part that breaks my heart. I mean, because, that, I mean, we're talking about new construction there, but, you know, when we did that open house in Marshfield a few weeks ago, and honestly, like the buyer, the buyers were coming in and they were, it was, I, it's almost like a, a form of begging or like mm. pleading their case mm. and just like, you know, we're ready to go. Like, please let the seller know, like, we don't have anything to sell. We'll close whenever they want to. And then they're carrying around their babies and you know what I mean? You're it's falling just in like, love with Francis. <laughs> yeah, I'm falling in love with Francis. And Who's I Who's Francis? What? What's that? <laughs> one of the babies that came through, like this little uh. baby was so adorable. And, I, and the thing is, is as a real estate agent, and this is what I was talking about earlier, where the love letters, and I'm sorry if I'm jumping, but no. like the love letters, you know, we used to do love letters and it would be like, hey, Mr. Seller, like I really am excited about the opportunity to put an offer on your home. I promise that I will always take great care of it. Okay. Here's a picture of me and my cute family and mm, our dogs yeah. and all these things. Oh, I know this exactly. the cute dog. That's my cute dog. Right, right mm-hmm. on cue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's mama, maybe. <laughs> And um, so the thing is that those we can't take those anymore. Uh, so yeah. because of the liability of fair housing laws. Okay. So if you think about that, it's a liability to the seller and to the real estate agent. So if everybody gives us a love letter with a picture of them, is the seller making the determination on who purchases that house based on their the love letter? The love letter. So to picture right. the next family. Yeah. Speaking of letters, though, are a lot of are you getting into situations where um, you're having to approach people that don't have their homes on the market looking for people to sell? Are people doing that? Are realtors doing that? You know, going through neighborhoods and, you know, dropping Mm -hmm. letters. Um, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. I had dreams about sending letters to people mm -hmm. all last night, Mm -hmm. literally begging them to put their houses on the market. Because you have so many buyers, you mean? Yeah. I had three buyer meetings just within the past two weeks, new buyer meetings just within the past two weeks. And the good news is, is I've had two CMAs done in the, this week. That's you true. know what I mean? So, so we, we are starting to see. Okay. So what we're starting to see now is people coming to us saying, I want to be on the market by next Wednesday because I want to be on the market before everybody else starts to get this right. great idea to come on the market. Right. So now we're seeing that spring market oh, okay. sort of go into into play. But, you know, we are on WATD. There are probably a lot of listeners right now. We're about to do a big social media post this week coming up. Um, Melissa's coming in later. We're going to discuss it. We reached out to all of our agents at Boston Connect and said, how many of you have buyers right now? What are they looking for? So we're going to be putting together a list for all of the people who are thinking about selling their homes. We will bring you a buyer directly oh. and that's going to help you. So um, we, it's going to be good. So meaning, it's like off market. Meaning they don't have to actually list, but they're still going through a realtor? If like, they, yes. So we will give them their options. So yeah. a lot of times what we see, which is very, very unfortunate, there's some training uh, that goes on in some um, different areas and, and agents will do things that they shouldn't do. Um, is they'll call and say, oh, um, I have a buyer for your house. But they really don't. They don't have a buyer. They just want you to list your house. So they're really trying to get the listing. So mm-hmm. potentially maybe they could get buyers from that. So we have never done that type of um, marketing. What we are 
literally saying to buy to sellers, if you are thinking about it, I promise you, we have a list of people. No matter what you have, we have a buyer in our office that is ready to go. If it's a ranch, if it's a condo, if it's, you know where I need? I need a place in Kingston with um, town and country, a mobile home. I have a client okay. who sold their house because the market being so good, they had a place down in Florida. They have snowbirds anyways. So they're down there, but they want to live in there. So um, I need one of those. <laughs> Colonials, everything. We need one of everything. You need we one need, of everything. We, yeah. we need five of everything. Yeah, Let's and if, if you come directly to us, we will let you know the pros and cons of accepting an offer directly from one person versus putting yeah. it on the market and, and potentially getting multiples. But some people don't want to go through that process. And if that's you, please call us, 781-294-4848. <laughs> what about, what about can you talk a little bit about like, people selling as is right now versus like, you know, forever people have said, I need to do this, that, and the other thing to my house before I sell it. Is that really like not even required anymore because there's just so many buyers and buyers aren't being that, buyers can't be that picky anymore, right? So can you talk through that a little bit? Buyers have no negotiation power yeah. anymore. So, so, so it used to be you go through. Sellers could say all day long that we're going to put the house on the market as is. That doesn't necessarily stop a buyer from coming in and saying, "All right, I acknowledge that you're saying as is, but I didn't realize that the roof was actually caving in or 50 years old or something like that. So, I'm going to ask you to negotiate on it." Now, even if something major like that came up, the seller has so many buyers to choose from on the back end kind of, or like that are right straggling behind them that they say, you know what? I'm sorry. You can either take it or leave it. I'm, I'm, I'm not negotiating the price. Yeah. And the buyer is put it back into a corner to say, all right, well, do I start this year long search all over again? Or do I suck it up and kind of take the house as is and realize that I'm going to have to do more work than I initially anticipated. Mm -hmm. And most are going to say, suck it up. I'm, I'm need to get in the house. And one of the things we're seeing too is very interesting when it's no home, well, no home inspection. Mm. Some uh, buyers will put in their offer that it's for informational purposes only. So we sort of laugh about that in the office. It's like, well, okay. information. Inform <laughs> informational purposes only. What does that like, mean? The, what what yeah, does that it, mean? The It's still a home inspection. Well, they're saying uh, we're only doing it for our own knowledge that they, we're not going to negotiate But they after. can't back out as a result of findings. Is that what well, you're they saying? they don't put that term in there. So that's the, that's the very key point. So good on picking that up because they could come back and say, okay, I got the information I needed. I'm not going forward anymore. So, yeah, I don't like the information. Yeah. So we always, if somebody waves their, we always tell them either you're doing a home inspection or you're not. Like that's yeah. what we need to know. And then if they are waiving their home inspection, um, why don't you tell people, tell them what people do for waiving home inspections and how we uh, caught on to that mm. about three years ago. <laughs> So what we found is that a lot of people, when when this whole waiving of contingencies really became popular, they would say, "All right, I'm wa I'm going to give you what I'm going to give you twenty five fifty thousand dollars over asking. Really make it super appealing, and I'm going to waive my home inspection. Great, we think everything is fine. We waive our home inspection. And then they say, you know what, I mom and dad didn't see the house. Can I actually bring them? You know, um, right after the offer is accepted, I just want to show them. I just want them to see it. Well, then they show up with three contractors." So they don't, they're not technically having a home inspection, but they're having people come through the house and inspect on their behalf or look at certain systems, which is in violation of their contract because they've said that they aren't going to have an inspection. Um, so now we, we found that happening a lot. Now it's very strict. If you waive your home inspection, you are not seeing that house again until you <laughs> sign purchase and sales agreement. Oh really? But but if period. But if you weigh if you had in that example where you waived the home inspection and you violated even if you brought somebody in, brought a contractor in or an inspector in, you don't it sounds to me like even if you brought somebody in, you wouldn't have any grounds to back out and get your escrow back, right? Well, so the or are they coming up with that. another reason to back out? Is that what you're saying was happening? They're either going to come up with some other reason yeah. and or they're going to refuse to sign the purchase and sales contract or at that point, escrow is not an excessive amount. It's $1,000. Say it's $1,000. Oh, $1, okay. That's all it does. So, okay. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, you really didn't know what you were purchasing and somebody, you have three contractors or mom and dad telling you it's a money pit 
or you're going to lose $1,000, most people are going to walk away from the right. $1,000. Right. And even to walk away from that $1,000, if you really wanted to fight it, the seller probably isn't going to hold you up and say, they're just going to want to move on. Say, all right, karma is a, you know what, and you just go your separate way. Get out of here. I want my next buyer in. Mm-hmm. You know? So the that's ask- what I don't want my next buyer as a listing agent. I don't want my the next buyer to go find something else. I want my next best buyer. Yeah. So if we picked you because of the contingencies, then we want to move on. So escrow amounts haven't increased. It seemed to me that they might have as a result. People aren't putting more down with the offer. For certain, it's, a, it's a rarity. It's a rarity mm. that we see. I mean, I would say an average... Um, an average first deposit escrow is anywhere from a thousand to about five. Okay. Um, and mm-hmm. five being really, really strong. A lot of people, a lot of people, a thousand dollars is a lot of money, but a lot of people aren't going to walk away from $5,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but those people that are tending to put that down, in my opinion, from what I've seen, are typically having an inspection. They want the seller to know that they're serious, but they also they want an inspection. know how strong they are and, they, and they're not willing to um, waive the mm-hmm. inspection. It doesn't sound like a good idea to ever waive an inspection. Ever, right? right? So, it, that just doesn't sound very smart. I think right? it's, okay. no, it's, it's really not. And I'm just going to use actually um, a, a family member of mine as an example really quick because I don't even know that I've told you this. Um, they put in an offer on a property and they ended up getting it accepted. It was oh, the offer that they offered was over asking. Um, it, now it was $25,000 over asking. Now it's closed, but they waived their inspection with it. And them waiving their inspection against our advice, and they knew it. Um, we make them sign a waiver. We make them sign a waiver. Yeah. It definitely was the deciding factor for the seller. The seller chose their offer because they waived their inspection. Because something was wrong so, with the house, right? <laughs> exactly, because yeah. they're, they're so fearful yeah. of what's going to happen. And that's what I said. I was like, guys, I can see that there's X, Y, and Z wrong with the house. So anticipate that you're going to have to do this really early on. Well, what? so they had planned for that and they were like, okay, no matter what, we still feel good about the house, even though we waived our inspection, even though we paid $25,000 over asking. Then they had an inspection on the house afterwards. So they get into the house, they have an inspection, they go, we just want to know what we're in for. Well, things started to pile up mm. and they had to have, so we knew that they needed probably a new electrical panel, which in all reality is somewhere between eighteen dollars to $2,000. Then they had an electrician come in. Turns out the whole entire service had to be redone. Mm. So we go from $2,000 max to an additional $5,000. So it starts to add up. And those were things that they would have known potentially had they had an inspection. So they would have been able to prepare for it. At the end of the day, it doesn't make them regret purchasing the house and waiving the inspection. They love the house. They're happy that they're there. But they could have prepared... Yeah. Had they known, yeah. it still might not have changed their mind at all, but it's the not knowing. And that's a good story. Not all stories yeah. are good. Do you so, know what I so mean? So truth be told, if you, if you are in a home right now that needs some work, it's probably a good time to sell it as is because you might find a buyer that waves the, that mm-hmm. waves the inspection. Right. And yeah. It's, that's kind of, I feel like a little bit sleazy saying that, but that's no. the truth right now. It right? is the truth. Yeah. And that's one of the things we actually have that on our list. We have 52 um, topics for the rest of the year. And one of them is talking about as is, and that's at the end of March, I think. But um, that is the as is sort of makes me laugh too, though. I mean, previously, I would say as a buyer's agent, I'd be like, all right, well, you can still do your home inspection, see what's going on. Mm. But as a listing agent, again, I say, the house is priced according to the condition it's in. So we know in Mary's analogy, fifty it has a 50 year old roof or whatever it is, or the roof needs to be repaired. But we feel as if that's reflected in the price. You are the one that decided to spend $25,000 over the asking price. So you now own a 50 year old roof. Like it's just, to me, it's a no, it doesn't, it just seem very simple. Mm. It's common sense. I didn't price the house here. You did. You're the one who told me what you were willing to pay. Yeah. If you're not willing to pay that now, that's great. Let me go on to buyer B. Yeah. Yeah. And I know it sounds harsh, but (laughs) but my job is my fiduciary responsibility is to the seller. I have to get the most amount of money in the best conditions for my seller. And I don't want to lose buyer B if something happens. Right. Yeah. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're, uh, you're listening to McNamara on Money. We're talking real estate this morning with Sharon McNamara, Mary Baker of Boston, Con- and Mary Baker, that wasn't one person, <laughs> of Boston Connect Real Estate. I'm joined by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. Feeling okay this morning? Was feeling a little mm-hmm. under the weather this morning? Feeling good? I have I have questions. When we, when we come back, I'm asking my questions. When we come oh, back. Okay. I know, I talked over you a minute ago. I'm um, sorry about that, honey. All right, we're taking a quick break. I'll be right back. <laughs> 